Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need to work quickly and confidently, you need Grammarly. It's a trusted AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with better writing. And it works where you work across 500,000 apps and websites. 96% of users agree Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Grammarly. Easier said, done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning and welcome to a special AOP. Yes, this is Rival Watch. We're really treating you guys at the moment. Not only has man like Matt Candela been talking to finance experts about the plight of FFP in the Premier League and European football, world football in general, but I'm out here securing fan experts from rival teams, our rivals, opponents that we're about to face, I mean, we're giving you, giving it, we're giving it to you big time here. This is the place to be on EAOP, and I am joined today by none other than Luke Weezer Seychelles, um, a Palace fan and expert, I should say. Luke, Thank welcome you. to the pod. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Excited to be on the show, talk a bit about Palace and our game on Monday. Oh, it's bubbling up nicely. <laughs> it is, um, but. We know, I've even gave you the brief, haven't I, Luke, okay? We yeah. know how we start our pods, and this pod will be no different. Hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. The hottest of takes. The AOP, hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Luke, Luke, you have been briefed. At the start of the pod, I need something absolutely sizzling, extra hot, avusa, if you will, none of this lemon and herb shit. What have you got for me today? I've got it for you, mate, and I'm, it's Palace-related. Obviously, Eze against Sheffield United, seven chances created, eight shots. It's a big season for him, so I'm saying 10 goals, 10 assists. That's going to get him in the England Euro squad. Going to be a key player there. Got six goals in a, 10 games at the end of last season. So, you know, it's not just coming from nowhere, this. This is going to happen, and we're going to see him thrive. I love it. I love it. I asked you for something sizzling and you did not disappoint. That's got absolute char-grilled marks all over it, that has. <laughs> and to double up on that point as well, Eze, I mean, we're going to talk about these guys later, so we don't want to jump too far ahead, but Eze is a fantasy league sleeper as well. Last year, he came, 
I had a choice between Elise and Eze. They were same same price at one point. It was a fork in the road moment. I chose Elise and my season collapsed. Oh. And, I, and I can point to that moment. It was devastating. But yeah, we will get into Eze. But I just want to jump in before we even get into the rest of it. I just wanted to kind of talk about the synergy between our clubs. And we not only last year, a player that we a, a guy that we're going to talk about very soon in the form of your ex-manager Patrick Vieira and club legend at Arsenal, but also we've shared, you know, elite legendary players over the past. Ian Wright, Dunny Stint at Palace before becoming an absolute Arsenal uh, icon. Um, yeah, I feel like our, our teams are somewhat intertwined, and also I've got to commend you guys and your support. Not only is Sellers Park absolutely bonkers as well, but also. Um, when when I saw when Palace first came up to the Premier League, I went to see Palace at the Emirates, and I have to say that your support was the noises. Walking down Holloway Road, it was like we'd been a, we'd been invaded. There was an army, a Palace army. <laughs> um, talk to me about the support that you enjoy uh, home and away. Yeah, it was really good. And yeah, I think I was at that game, a two 0 Arsenal win. But you know, it was our first season. We're all so up for it, and it, that crowd was just ridiculous that day that day sorry that we love you was amazing and that and just briefly you did forget a couple of palace arsenal legends in a uh, yaya samogo and marin shamak so i just thought i'd give them a cheeky little <laughs> shout out <laughs> yeah indeed um probably in the similar camp to ian right there uh marin shamak and uh yaya samogo so what you're actually saying is we've done your dirty as well, <laughs> as well, well shamak was a bit of a hero you know he actually did well for us but so no go. Let's not talk about him too much. Good, good heavens, good heavens. I'm sure a few of the Arsenal fans will be chuckling at those names. Maro and Shamak as well. I'm sure he must have had like a sponsorship deal with Brill Cream or something. That hair used to stick to his head. Something yeah, looked drawn on. Um, but let's fire into this. Okay, we've done something. We've done our hottest of takes. We started absolutely roasting there, but we 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 discussed him just in in passing a, a moment ago. An absolute club icon at Arsenal, Patrick Vieira. And I've put up the banner, the banner Vieira no OO. Thank you. But <laughs> we do a lot of great pun work here. Um, obviously, it didn't work out of him. He was a manager of Palace for a little while. But I personally felt like it was a little bit short. Like you got rid of him a little early. I, st- I feel like he could have, you know, maybe turned it around. Give me your thoughts on Vieira's tenure, tenure, a, a player, a, a player and manager who has links to both of our clubs. How do you think it went? And do you think you know the story was cut short too soon? Yeah, look, that first season we had with him was probably one of the best we've had since getting promoted. It was good players came in, great football, you know, FA Cup semi final. But I think what's happened with Vieira in a lot of places is the second season, and I think because of his inexperience at the moment, he's shown he's got quality to succeed but when it comes to a plan b that's really what lets him down uh he was trying a few like the fa cup semi-final he tried a five at the back tactic against chelsea we're, we're a four three three team it just didn't work you know it was like we didn't understand it obviously second season came along three months or whatever without a win three games without a shot on target as a was fully recovered from his achilles injury wasn't playing him well a lot also goes down to the board. I've been one who's definitely argued that side of things. Season before, we lost Gallagher, Kiate, two big players, replacing them with one midfielder. We also had MacArthur injured all the time, Milivojevic. So 
he didn't get as much back in as he did in the first season, which definitely uh, didn't help him. And I was really one of the people who said we let him go too early. But when you actually see the 90 minutes that we started playing under Roy and how the players were playing, some might have down tools maybe, but I think Vieira just doesn't have that plan B at the moment and that's going to really cost him. But he did one-up our co-owner, John Texter, on the weekend because he got his debut win with Strasbourg and that's against Leon, who the owner also co-owns Palace. So that was a bit of a probably sweet victory for him, I can't lie. <laughs> a little F you. Uh, yeah. yeah, I still got it. Um, no, you, you know, you kind of were going to preempt, you kind of preempted a little bit of what I was going to say with regards to it. Because from the outside looking in, and this is why these pods are so good, because it's always nice to get opposing fans' opinion. Because I, I don't really have that much skin in the game, you know, with uh, Palace. But obviously, yeah. I do, I want Vieira to succeed. And ultimately, I, I do quite like Palace. But it just felt like, you know, you're in a situation where you talked about Conor Gallagher. The guy was on loan, okay, and he was possibly your best player the year before. Where yeah. is the, you know, where is the financial support? You look at teams that are coming up, Nottingham Forest pumping out 40, 50, 60 million on, on players. These are these are teams coming from the championship and investing, whereas Palace just seem to be this perennial, you know, I, I get you can't, you can't do a Leeds and, you know, go beyond your... Um, your means, but on the same note, you've got to invest if you want to survive in the Premier League and certainly if you want to flourish. Yeah, it's a really weird situation because we splashed the cash like what six years ago. There was like a January transfer window under Big Sam where we spent so much on like Schlup, Van Arnold, Milivojevic, you know. And then I think a lot of it's still recovering from that, but there is also a bit of stuff where look, we're lacking, we're lacking in players, you know. Arguably, Vieira had the best team in the first season. And yeah, as you said, Gallagher was on loan, so he left. We did get Decore, but then Chiarte also left as well. So, you know, it wasn't everyone being replaced. We didn't actually sign a, another midfielder till January, which was Laconga, funnily enough. So, <laughs> you know, they definitely, it definitely works both ways. He definitely could have probably got a lot more out of that team. I'm sorry if you're in the Premier League, mate, you can't be having no shots on target you know like that's kind of crazy three matches in a row you know you can't be not getting the best out of your players especially if you're battling rele relegation that's the issue you know and yeah with our investment it's definitely a fine line apparently how much we can spend but I think Steve Parrish is trying to wait till we get this main stand possibly developed to then build on or push on because that is where our revenue lacks and we're trying to get these younger players in early like Elise so I think we're at the start of a new project and possibly Vieira needed a bit more backing but it just didn't work at the end of the day and I think he was right that he went yeah I do, I, do, I certainly don't think he can feel wildly aggrieved um the only thing I would say with regards to Vieira if we remember back he had basically like a gauntlet run of games like you, you know granted that that you, there's just no positive way you can spin that no shots and targeting three games that's ugly but I would say that the teams he was facing at that period, it was like, I remember it was like City, Liverpool, Arsenal, just all in a run. And then you basically got all the rally teams, all the teams at the bottom that were lined up and they sacked him before that run. Granted, it's worked out. You played some swashbuckling stuff, you know, yeah. um, and Roy got the best out of your players. But yeah, it just always felt, I don't know, I'm always going to uh, back Big yeah, Man yeah. because he, he is a club legend. But yeah, I understand, you know, why... They got a bit jumpy with him. I'll just talk before we move on as well. 
And this is actually about one of your previous owners, Simon Jordan. Yeah. And the way I'm just, I just want to bring this up because I'm interested as how a Palace fan views him. Because the way he talks, sometimes he, he, he with all of his um, media contributions, he talks like he's some kind of, you know, doyen of the footballing world and he knows how everything works. Ultimately, from my side, it was always like it was a failed tenure at Palace and actually effed quite a lot of things up. What did you what do you make of Simon Jordan? What's what's your sentiment with regards to him? Well, we know what TalkSport's there for, which is his main thing. And, you know, that's to get the headlines. And he's perfect at that. Looking at his Palace tenure, got us into administration. So it's never a success. You know, that club was ours. My club was ours from being basically wiped off the face of the earth because of this man. <laughs> so, you know, this, it's going to be bittersweet. Obviously, I don't really mind him. Like, you know, it happened, whatever. Some of his takes just... What's he saying? You know, I feel like it's kind of doesn't help him either because let's say he says something, you just see the Twitter comments and it's like, you literally got a football club administrator. <laughs> exactly. about it. Yeah, so it's a hard one, but I'll always remember him for when he gave Ian Dowie's P45 in a press conference <laughs> because Ian Dowie was leaving us for Charlton on the sly and Simon Jordan weren't having it. So I love that stuff. But yeah, you know. One of them ones, you try to brush them under the carpet, but they just won't get out of the limelight, will they? So it's just reminding you of your worst ever period as a football fan. <laughs> yeah, indeed. He's that kind of guy. Certainly divides opinion. And now let's yeah. move on. Some of our um, uh, audience now, granted, obviously, most people have a general working knowledge of Premier League business, you know, transfers, ingoings and outgoings. Um, but as we move into the this section, ins and outs, could you just tell everyone... What kind of business Palace have been doing? Who you've brought in? Who you've let go? And you know, uh, uh, more to the point, you know, if there's any, you know, headline grabbing news, including obviously one of your big players, uh, yeah. Elise, who looks like he's heading for the exit door. Yes, yeah, so we'll go with the outs first. Um, a few players left on a free. James McCarthy, a great player, but he's retired now. Luka Milivojevic was just kind of finished. Um, try not cry, say this one, but Wilfred Zar to Galatasaray, which is just depressing as hell um oh man god i'm getting ptsd of that day now god johnny cash hurt was played a lot that day but, um, <laughs> you know it, who else i'll oh, move it to the ins you got jefferson lerma on a free transfer which was brilliant business man of the match in the first game in the weekend class above great to get him in and and we got mateus franca this brazilian wonder kid who's nineteen twenty plays on the wings, attacking mid. No one really knows too much. He used to play at Flamengo. There is actually a clause in his contract, which I'm assuming it isn't at Palace, but we have to give Flamengo a cheeky five mil if Franca ever gets nominated for the Ballon d'Or. So one of the two clubs has high hopes for him, for sure. <laughs> at that. So yeah, we've got him, but he's injured. So that doesn't really help. So that's really annoying. And obviously this project I was talking about before, it's clearly working because you had Gay Anderson linked away. You know, Eze's been linked away. Uh, Elise looks like he's triggered the Chelsea release clause or whatever. I, I can't really explain it to you because what is crazy with this supposed Elise release clause is every journalist is having a different opinion, which I personally don't think I've ever seen before. It was said six months ago that it was taken out. And now they're saying Chelsea are believed to have triggered it. So they're, they're not even saying it's done. 
I think it's there. I think it looks like he's going. I don't know why he's going to pick Chelsea, but, you know, he has an abundance of talent, 11 assists in the Premier League last season. We're going to miss him massively. And then the Corey's been linked to Liverpool yesterday. So, you know, everyone's just taking our players. Probably Steve Parrish probably didn't expect Zaha to go. He probably didn't expect Elise to also go. And then maybe like the best midfielder on our team. So it's crazy stuff right now. So interesting, you know, just to pick a couple of those out. Zaha was an interesting one um, because obviously we'd been linked with him several times over the, um, you know, over the course of the last few years as well. He was certainly a player that had elite upside. Like when he was on, he was as good as any winger in the league. But for me, certainly by the end, you know, I had very little interest in him when I realised he was going to be going. I I feel like he is certainly on the downslope of his career, Um, not necessarily hitting the highs that he was at one point. Do you... I know there is obviously emotions involved. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, 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 he a club legend for you in your in your uh, yeah. Of uh, Ian Wright was a bit before my time, but because Ian Wright just loves Arsenal so much, I'm saying Wilf's definitely better than him. But you know, <laughs> um, and when it comes to playing for Palace, but I do get what you're saying with Wilf. What really I think didn't help him is when he got an injury in like 2015 to 2018. We'd rush him back. We'd always be rushing him back. And then this season, the type of player he is, he needs to take on players. You know, that's his effectiveness. We've seen him not do that as much, sometimes playing up front. But then he got like three or four injuries this season. And I think that's just because the amount we've had to overuse him and the amount other opposition players have probably taken it out on him. You know, them knocks pick themselves up. He's now 30. And I think he just got kind of fed up of Palace just being this team that would never top half I mean the only season we got top half since promotion is the first one we got promoted and since then it's just been either relegation battles or your 13th 12th or whatever so yeah I wasn't expecting him to go anywhere big I kind of had a bit of hope he'd stay but you can also see why he's moved Champions League football I think is the big thing yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah I mean for many players around the world playing in the Premier League is the cherry on the top but Ultimately, when you are a team that seems, and I mean this you yeah, know, no, respectfully, yeah. you're stable, but you're, yeah. you're stable, but unspectacular. You know, you're going to want players who, you're going to find players want a bit more excitement. So let's think, forget about the player, a player that's left. And let's think about your current lineup. And I think I know where you're going to go with this, <laughs> but ones to watch. Okay. Who are the standout players in the current Palace team. And this really is a ones-to-watch for Arsenal, players that we should be cautious about. Yeah, well, obviously, I'll get him out of the way. Eze, he is now kind of like the Wilfred Zaha because Elise is injured or going. Instead of having these three top attackers, Arsenal can kind of, you know, get on him and maybe that'll reduce our outlet massively. I always say Jordan Ayew is just someone who you just don't know how he's going to turn up attackingly, but... He's a very consistent player, defensively great, good assist on the weekend, so you can't complain there. But I do think for especially Arsenal, the ones to watch is going to be that Eze, Decore, Lerma. Because if we can get something out of them for if them two defensive midfielders can, you know, help out our fullbacks, because I'm very worried about Joe Ward against Martinelli and even Mitchell against Saki, you know, like Joe Ward is crazy. He's been with us since promotion. Nothing bad to say about him, but he's lost that pace. So, you know, if you're playing a skillful winger like Martinelli, I'm worried. But yeah, for me, Eze, 
the Corey and Lerma are definitely the ones to watch. Yeah, and I remember the game last year. We are going to get into it even more in, in depth as well, but I remember the game last year. It really felt like a seminal moment early in the season that we could go away to a very difficult ground. Historically, Palace away has been really tricky for us. And we got a big result and we never looked in trouble, really. There were a couple of times where, you know, a Palace fan like yourself might have gone, if that's gone in, it would have been a different game. I get that. I think Eze had a big chance. But ultimately, I really really felt like we were in control of that game. Um, And part of it was the joy that we were getting down our wings. I think that Mitchell is a very good player. He's a good defender, a good um, one-on-one defender. But I think Saka is a real problem for him. He can go either way. um, And that's, you know, um, something that he'll have to worry about. But yeah, like you say, Martinelli is... Martinelli is like a Jack Russell in a a barn going ratting. Okay, he will find the weakness and he will root it out. So yeah, I'm sure Ward's got some... um, Got some sleepless nights ahead of him, but uh, it will be quite interesting. So, Lerma, do you feel like, in terms of what has he added to your midfield, in terms of um, some of the players that you have seen, you talked about Milivojevic, and that, whenever I saw him in recent times, absolutely passed it, like you said. Yeah. Um, any pace had gone, he just was an influence in games. What has Lerma's introduction to your midfield added? I think, like, yeah, Luca was not even playing towards the end of last season. We had Schlupp there or Will Hughes there, both good players. But you're just seeing Lerma as a class above. He seems like a bit of a leader as well. What's also really good is that it allows... Decore is a bit of a progressive passer as well. He can run forward as well, so it gives him a bit more freedom. And then it gives Eze so much... Maybe not against an Arsenal, but it gives Eze so much more freedom because he knows he's got these two midfields behind him. So it's kind of perfect and... Look, on against Sheffield United, it was ridiculous. The ball was bouncing to Lerma and he literally did like a header, like a keepy uppy header over a player's head and carried on running with the ball. And that's when, you know, you just got something good. <laughs> but, you know, he's just, yeah, just that defensive quality he's got is just so helpful. It helps out. And as I said before, I think it could really help our fullbacks out. Yeah, absolutely. And just to focus on Eze as well, a player who... I think he's a really special talent. I, I, I actually really liked him a few years ago. I, I, I remember watching him thinking, this guy is sick, mate. And then he yeah. had that quite devastating injury. Remind me, was it an ACL that he did? I think it might have been Achilles, you know. Achilles, right. Yeah. Okay. I, thought, I didn't know whether it was one or the other. Obviously, yeah. our new signing, one of our new signings is just, you know, it's been declared that he has got the devastating injury that we had feared. It is an ACL probably the whole season. But... Granted, they're in different areas, but it's still a sign or, or, or a good example of a player being able to come back and not only get yeah. to the level that he was previously at, but Eze's performing at a level that he, you know, at a whole new level um, completely. He looks like a player who has, you know, big club ability. And again, I don't mean that disrespect disrespectfully, but he looks like he could play at a, an even higher level. What does Eze... What what does Eze um, bring as an op- as an opponent that we should be fearing? What what, what is he going to scare us with? There, there is so many stuff. I think one thing is his unpredictability. Like it looks like he's going to get tackled, and then all of a sudden, balls nowhere near the defender, and he's either getting a foul or he's got past him. He can shoot. He can take a free kick. He can assist. But 
the way the ball sticks to his feet like glue and he can dribble. You don't you don't see that in a lot of players, you know, you just don't. And that's why I think he is destined for the top. I really hope he's got two years left on his contract. If he's not going to sign with us, I want him to be winning trophies. You know, he deserves it for his quality. And I really think Arsenal, you know, that midfield, Rice, look, he's so good at what he does. But if you're not careful, Eze can get you on that counter and he can exploit that gap that you may have if you've overloaded your attack, you know? Mm, absolutely. It's interesting. Um and also, just quickly before we move on, um, so with Eze, you've had a litany of quality players over the years. Where does Eze, your current talisman, stack stack up um, in, in, with regards to those other players? Look, it, what is he, 24, 25 at the moment? I think it's crazy that he came back just as good from his injury. I know we haven't seen much of um, Smith Rowe, but, you know, he had such a big injury and we haven't seen him back to his best yet. And the way Eze just came back, I think, shows how top or how high level he is. I think he definitely ranks up there with the the Zahas for what he does. And I know Zaha can get past any player on his day, but as I said, the way the ball sticks to his feet like glue, you just don't see it a lot. And he definitely, definitely up there for me. Fantastic. Right, moving on then to Roy of the Rovers. Okay, we're talking about Roy Hodgson. Talk to me about Roy's impact since he's come back to the club. And ultimately, where you see this story playing out, how long is he going to be sticking around for? Again, we're not trying to be ageist here, but he's an old man, ultimately. Um, just doesn't seem like he's the long-term solution. But have you been impressed with what he's brought so far? And how long do you think this is going to keep going on? Um, I understood why we brought him in to Vier after Vieira. I was very against it at the time. But then looking back at it, I was very biased to how bad teams he had. Like, honestly, if we talk about Vieira not getting back, I think four transfer windows, Roy Hodgson only had about 40 million spent, 50 million spent, and 20 mil was on Eze. So he was never backed, and I think I had that bias in my head. But look, when he had some good players, I know it was against the teams around us, but realistically, that's what we want to see. We were beating all of them, the odd draw, the 5-1 away to Leeds. You know, it was ridiculous what he was doing, but... I was still someone who thought he should go in the summer and it wasn't because of him or his quality. It's because of the message it kind of gave. And the message is we're probably not going to spend much because we know he can keep us up. And it also told us it's not a long-term plan, which I know managers don't stay a lot in the Premier League, but you still want to plan a bit long-term. He only got one year contract as well. So it means this time next summer, we're going to be in the same boat looking for a new manager. If it was Steve Parrish, yeah, he'd probably keep him on a 20-year contract if he could. Honestly, I've generally believed that. I, I get it. Like, the bloke's done great with us to an extent, you know, with what he's always been dealt with. And it's going to be a real test for him now if we lose Elise as well, because he's going to be back to the bare bones again, which I feel sorry for him for. Hopefully, he's only here for the other year. And then we can, you know, have a manager just... Last thing, you know, the players we brought in under Vieira, there was definitely a Vieira influence. You don't get that with Hodgson as much just because the modern players don't really care about the history. Playing under a legend like Vieira, it's like everything they said in the interview, you know what I mean? So, yeah, hopefully a year more. Fair play. I get you. Um, so just quickly on Hodgson as well. What is this? What's the style of football that he's introduced at Palace, from your perspective, what do you? How has he got you playing? It's hard because 
he's obviously got a solid at the back. And then he's given a bit of freedom to these flair players to, you know, be good and take players on and do what they want. So he, he just brought us back a boost, really. It wasn't too much of what he changed. Against the big teams is probably my one worry with Hodgson. Like he gives the big teams a lot of respect, which I think you shouldn't be doing in this day and age. Like if you take a team on like an Arsenal in the first 15 away when you're at home, you just don't know. Something might happen. There might be a slip up. It might change the whole game. But against Spurs last season, and probably one of the only big games Hodgson had, gave them too much fit. They didn't have a clean sheet in like two months or something. Gave them too much respect. They won 1-0. And at the end of the game, he was talking about the quality of their players and why he respected them. And it's like, nah, you got to get them a bit. You know, you can't just be hoping for the best. So, yeah. Um, I completely get what you're saying until you mentioned big teams and mentioned Tottenham Hotspur. So that's where we uh, <laughs> certainly set right there. They're certainly yeah. not a big team anymore. <laughs> um, Luke, so let's move on. You, you know, you, 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 you kind of perfectly seeded it. Big teams, how Hodgson's going to approach it. You've got Arsenal. And I, I mean, I don't mind if I say so myself. Big team, big club, big problem on Monday. You've got us. How do you think that you're going to set about it? And what worries you most about the Arsenal? I think it's one thing. It's great that you've already won a trophy. I think that was just such a good scalp to get off the top of your heads at this start of the season, you know. As I said, I'm worried Hodgson's going to respect you too much. You're going to have too much possession. We're going to be playing a lot on the counter. I think when you're at home, we just need to, you know, get it up there as quick as possible and attack and see what we can do, see what issues we can cause. Obviously, we spoke about it. The wings are my biggest worry, for sure. I think Gay and Anderson against Niketia, nine times out of ten, you'd think they're fine. You know, they're going to deal with the problem. They're great centre-backs, great centre-back pairing. But what Arsenal are going to do is they're going to use them wings, aren't they? And then you've got Odegaard to deal with as well. So just the whole attack I'm worried about. I think defensively, now you've got the injury. Maybe we could grab a goal. But yeah, for me, I'm just... The attacking overload that we could get is stressing me out. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. We are <laughs> going to give a lot of people some nightmares, a lot of um, sweaty brows this year. But... um you you probably caught at the very least the highlights of our first game. Um, uh, we got the win, even though we made it look a little bit uh, closer towards the end with um, a lack of. Um, we, we just weren't clinical enough, really, with the chances and the domination that we had. In terms of midfield, you spoke about it, um, uh, Declan Rice, what he brings, and if he's not at it, maybe Eze's growing influence. Who do you see winning that midfield battle? Um, do you think Arsenal will dominate? Because I know you're scared about the wings, but do you think it will be built from Arsenal dominating the ball? It, it's interesting because arguably, like, because we've got two proper solid defensive midfielders and then Eze, I, I really like our midfield. And then you've got Rice there. Yeah, as you said, I watched the highlights because I was at Palace. But, um, you know, Havertz isn't as defensive. So, you know, defensively, we may win the battle to an extent, but it's just going to, I think it is just going to be, can our players lock down Odegaard and can Rice lock down Eze? Arguably, Arsenal are the better team. So I'm taking all the pressure off Palace here. I'm taking all the pressure. (laughs) No, arguably I'm trying to be optimistic. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely a slip of the tongue, but you know... (laughs) 
I think I would say Arsenal are a big team, so arguably you should be winning the battle. There you go. Right, so, there you go. So I'm go taking on. the pressure of Palace there, but we'll see. But yeah, I saw that game against Forest, and Brennan Johnson should be scoring. Arsenal, mm. what, kept about three or four home clean sheets last season? It's no shock you conceded. Yeah, you just need to be more clinical because you know under Anteta, you're not going to get a lot of clean sheets. Yep, sounds good. And um, you, you you probably have said it, but if you are going to score, where are those goals coming from? Because I don't know if you've realised that we have got a big colossus, a man mountain at the back, William Salina. Yeah. Do you know what? This wasn't even in the running or but just... Give me a quick, you know, paragraph on how good you think William Saliba is. Where do you think he ranks in uh, the Premier League stakes? Well, you said on my Toto Football podcast about how good he is. And, you know, it made me think, made me watch him a bit more. And I think he's up there. He's definitely up there. If you're looking at top centre-backs in the Premier League, he's up there. I'm not going to give a number because that's just stupid to do. You know that? I'm not doing <laughs> it. I'm not doing it. Arsenal fans, you can say he's number one. I don't know yet. I don't watch enough of him, if I'm being honest. You know, I'm not watching Arsenal week in, week out. I don't want to watch a team winning every week. It's boring, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But he's you up like... there. He's up there. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I'm sure, well, he's got he's got a little um, cameo for you on Monday, I'm sure. So, you've kind of talked about Arsenal quite flatteringly at times. Um, we're now moving on to predictions, okay? And, and in predictions, it's not just how you think the game's going to pan out but also give me the fates of both teams throughout the season how do you think it's going to pan out for us so start with the game yes so I'm going to be optimistic here as always it's first home game at for Palace at Sellers Park I'm going to say a cheeky one all I think Martinelli may grab the goal and we might just get something scrappy Edward scored if we can actually get a goal scoring striker I'd love it so I'm just going to bank on Edward to score Look, I'm being optimistic, but I'm going to say that. And for the season, I think Arsenal are going to be up there, of course. I think probably, I'm going to say probably second or third. And then Palace are probably going to be 12th because we're always 12th. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. And do you think any cups for the Arsenal or Palace? Well, you already won the Community Shield, but I actually did have you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is when you win it, isn't it? And then it's just a pre-season trophy when you don't. But um, I've actually had Arsenal for the FA Cup in my predictions. I thought they were going to do that one. So I'm going to say that one. And then Palace haven't won a, technically won a cup in their history. And the only one we've won was the Zenith Data Systems Cup in 1984. So I'll give that a shout out. So I'm going to say we're probably not going to win a cup this season. <laughs> Fair play, fair play. But although West Ham went about 50 years without a European Cup, they picked one up. Um, it can be done. It can be done. Yeah. You never know. Um, Luke, we are at the end. Thanks so much for that. Um, and also your prediction of second or third with an FA Cup. I'm sure a few Gooners would take that, to be fair. But um, we'll see. Hopefully, we can achieve more. We're certainly aiming for it. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Obviously, you, are, you do your Palace pod and where they can find you on your socials. Yeah, so my Twitter is uh, at Luke underscore Seychelles, spelled like the Seychelles Islands, but without the ES. And yeah, no, I do a Palace podcast, Let's Talk Palace, but that's actually on a football podcast I run called Toto Football, which covers lots of football. I've had Johnny on there for a cracking Arsenal episode as well. So yeah, that's where to find me. Brilliant. Thank you so much um, Brilliant. for cu- for coming on. We, I'm sure we'll, we'll both enjoy the game. We'll both have takeaways And, uh, yeah, we're going to look forward to it. Ciao for now.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.